You guys ready? Yeah. I'm good. (laughs) 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 All right. Welcome back to uh, One True Podcast, talking Baylor and Big 12 college football. Alongside me, as always, is John Johnny Sports Writer, we call him, John Werner. Uh, John, how are you doing today? Great, Bryce. Good to see you, Curtis. Good yeah, to see also, you, John. Yeah, also with us is Curtis Quillen from the uh, from KCEN-TV here in Waco. Curtis has been here in Waco almost seven years, seven football seasons. Uh, sports director, what, about a year now? No, almost two. Almost two. Time flies, right? Yeah, wow. <laughs> Even yeah, my, I, I didn't realize Nick had been gone that long. Even even my boss couldn't couldn't believe it whenever I told him. It's <laughs> it, time flies, man, especially with uh, with the run we've been on lately. Yeah, no doubt. Well, so awesome that uh, you're here with us. Appreciate it. Uh, so let's dive in, guys. Um, Oklahoma State got a little payback on Baylor in that rematch of the Big Twelve title game, aka the Curtis Quillen Bowl. Uh, the, the team I love the name. Yeah, the team he covers <laughs> versus the team that uh, the the is alma mater. Correct. That is correct. I'm a 2016 graduate of Oklahoma State. There you go. Um, so it's only one Big Twelve loss for Baylor, and yet um, in my column on Sunday, I wrote that unless something dramatically changes, that we will not see this Baylor team back in Jerry World. What do you guys say? Do you agree? Disagree? Go ahead, Curtis. If you're asking me Baylor or the field, I'm taking the field. But then when I look at the Big 12 standings, I can't tell you which one of those teams will finish higher in the standings than Baylor. Mm-hmm. But it's one of those that, based on what I've seen from Baylor, uh, you know, John's seen all five games. I had a family emergency for the Albany game, so I wasn't there, and I went to BYU. Um and I've seen both losses and in both losses, the passing game wasn't there. And that was a big selling point this year, right? For, for this Baylor offense and for switching to Blake shape and uh, something's got to give there. I, th- I don't know if maybe they just don't have the receivers that they thought they were going to uh, for this season. I'm inclined to agree, but cautiously is what mm. I'll, is how I'll answer it. That's a good, yeah, that's a good way to put it, John. Yeah, I would call Baylor a long shot right now. Um, you you can't lose at home. Uh, you, Baylor went 7-0 and last year at home. Uh, that was a big reason they won the Big 12. Their road schedule's a lot tougher. I mean, even as good as they were last year, they were 3-2 and two in true road games, and two of those wins were against Kansas and Texas State. So, uh you know, their, their road schedule's brutal, and now their home schedule's looking <laughs> a lot tougher, you know, with TCU, Kansas, and K-State, you know, arguably the three best teams in the league right now. <laughs> right. So it's going to be very hard. Um, but like Curtis said, uh, you know, the league is very balanced, and uh, there, there doesn't seem to be a real doormat this year. And uh, I think – you know, I wouldn't be surprised that the teams that get there at least have two losses, and perhaps one might have three. Yeah. So, you look at the I big. Just... Go ahead. Yeah, I was going to say you look at the Big Twelve standings and you start looking. Okay, how many of these teams are built pretty similarly to Baylor? How many of them are built a little more closely to Oklahoma State? 
I'm shocked at how balanced Oklahoma State is this year, given how how much they lost on defense, not just their all-world defensive coordinator, but guys like Malcolm Rodriguez, who are shining for the Detroit Lions right now. And then you look at TCU, would you guys say it, it, TCU, 4-0 is 4-0. You don't ask how, you don't ask how, you ask how many. And they've had more points than their opponent in every single game. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Oklahoma. No, and a lot more than Oklahoma and a lot more than Colorado. And Colorado might be the worst team in the Power Five this year. But is TCU similar to 2019 Baylor? Is this just a really good team that until the Oklahoma game was just very untested? It's a good question. It it's, a, it's a very good because, question. And we're, because and we're if gonna... they are, if they are, then maybe TCU is going to stay in that top three and going to be something to reckon with on November 19th. Yeah, it'll be interesting for sure. Uh I mean, the way I described the Big 12 in my column was cannibalistic. Uh, This is your your, uh, parental advisory if you're grossed out by things. But, uh, yeah, they're going to eat up uh, on each other this year, uh, beat up on each other. I mean, uh, it's just – I can't remember. We had – John, we had some friends from the Tulsa world on last week, and Garen Emig said that, uh, you know, that he can't remember a year where one through ten – it's this close in the Big 12, and I agree. Yeah. Um, so obviously, back to Baylor, three and two with losses to BYU and Oklahoma State, not the end of the world. Um, but you know, Curtis referenced the passing game. Uh, what to you guys has been the most surprising or let's say disappointing element of this not so torrid start for Baylor? John, you go ahead, because I have a lot going through my head at the moment. (laughs) Yeah, I actually wrote about it for a column today. Uh, I don't think the player leadership's there. Uh, I think Dylan Doyle's a really good leader. A guy like Bryson Jackson's a good leader. But, man, you compare it to last year, and it's not even close. I mean, Terrell Bernard, Jalen Petrie, uh, even guys on offense, Abram Smith, Treston Ebner, and I thought Gary Bohannon was a just a natural leader, just an outgoing, confident guy. And uh, I think a big reason for that, a lot of playmakers are younger guys right now. And often those guys are, are the leaders, are, are really the best leaders on the team because they handle the ball the most or they make the most tackles. So uh, I think player leadership is lacking compared to last year. It's fair. Curtis, I'm inclined to go with the offense. The defense to me has been as good as it was last year. Um, I think that you look at the Oklahoma State game and you have to take it with a grain of salt because Oklahoma State's notorious for having one of the most explosive offenses in the Big 12, Um, even even since changing offensive coordinators in the past few years. Um, But the Baylor offense is not what everyone was expecting. This is not the same offense we saw when Shapin was starting against Texas Tech. This is not the same offense we saw when Blake Shapin started at the Big 12 championship game. And that's fine. The entire receiving room is different. Honore Baldwin was a very, very much a role player last year. And he is in the, he's not just in the two deep. He's the starting guy. And he's your speed demon. He's your Taekwon Thornton, but he doesn't have the experience Taekwon had coming into last year so it's going to take some time the running the injuries in the running back room have definitely hurt 
And I don't think the offensive line is playing the way that I expected it to. So I'm going with the offense here has been kind of the most surprising and disappointing part about this Baylor team this year. And building off of that, I'm going to say play calling has been a little puzzling at times to me uh, with that offense. Um, And I I mean, I think Jeff Grimes is a good coach, but um, as Curtis noted, um, they they haven't looked the same as as when Blake Shapen started those games last year, and it seemed like one of the big reasons they went with Shapen over Gary Bohannon was his passing ability, his you know his ability to fling it down the field, and they really haven't done a lot of that. Now, uh, maybe some of that you give credit to you know the defensive effort of Oklahoma State of BYU. I think they were a little surprised with the back end coverage in, in Provo, but uh, yeah, they, it, it seems like they've, they've been hesitant to really let shape and loose. And, um, and I think it all goes to some of the points that Curtis made, which a line hasn't been quite up to snuff. You're looking for a stud receiver to emerge. Now I think Monterey Baldwin is really good and a guy that they like need to get the ball more. Uh, but I'm not sure right now he has the complimentary guys where he can be the number one. And, and, you know, some of those guys take some of the attention off of him. So, um, yeah, I think all of those points that you guys made are good. Uh, So let's look at uh, Baylor's on a bye. Um, The game of the week in the Big 12, maybe all of college football. (laughs) is in Lawrence, Kansas. Can you believe this? Uh, I've been calling for it, man. I'm so happy. (laughs) It's cool. Uh, Number 17 TCU travels to number 19 Kansas in a battle of undefeateds, just like we all predicted at the start of the year. (laughs) Uh, What a world. Yeah, I know. So college (laughs) game day is headed to Lawrence for the very first time ever. Um, and Lance Leipold's name, of course, is popping up in every uh, coaching rumor out there, um, and that probably will continue. But TCU, uh, which Curtis talked about, they've been impressive too. So my question is this, which of these two coaches, Leipold, Sonny Dykes, has the inside track on Big 12 Coach of the Year, and does that does your answer to that question reflect who you're picking in this game? What do you say? Uh, I'm going to go with uh, Leipold just because he's at Kansas. You know, they've got a horrible history of football. Nobody saw this coming. Oh, no. No one. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, and uh, I kind of like TCU to win this game. Okay. Uh, Just – I mean, what they did Oklahoma last week is pretty darn impressive. Yeah. Um, but even if Kansas loses, I still like Leipold as a favorite just because he's what he's doing at Kansas. Right. If they, you know, I, I don't think any of us really expect Kansas to be in Jerry world, but if if they win seven, eight games, I mean, to me, that's still a remarkable season at Kansas. Curtis, mm-hmm. what do you say? <laughs> If if Leipold gets to that sixth win this season, he's got my vote the next day <laughs> yeah, for Big 12 yeah. Coach of the Year. Yeah, yeah. Because you're talking about a team that's whose only win last year in, in the Big 12, went 2-10 last year when he got hired in May, 
and they're somehow beat Texas, although everybody beat Texas last year. Um, look, what he's doing at Kansas is remarkable. Kansas is ranked in football, undefeated six weeks into the season, and we're still talking about football. Yeah. And so I I'm with John on this one. I think TCU wins the game because Kansas has not faced an offense quite like this. But man, what a game this could be because that defense has been so good so far this year to take an Iowa State team that kind of gave Baylor fits at certain points in the game, not for the full 60 minutes and hold them to two for four in the red zone. Part of that being three missed field goals from relatively decent range. Um, This is a really good Kansas team, man. That defense is good. Jalen Daniels, uh, lightning in a bottle. And they found a way to win last year, last week against Iowa State with Daniels being bottled up. But again, I go back to this is hands down the most explosive offense that Kansas has seen this year. I think it gets Kansas this week. But if they win one more game, Leipold's got my vote the next day for Big 12 Coach of the Year. <laughs> and that's taking nothing away from uh from Sonny Dykes or Chris Kleiman or Mike Gundy, all of whom, to me, if if K-State, if TCU is in the Big 12 championship game, I mean, uh, Sonny Dykes is going to get some consideration for that award. Oh, 100%. Yeah, but you're talking about first year. But that all, all that said, I'm with you guys. Uh, Kansas is the story of the season in the Big 12, uh, as far as I'm concerned. And um, I, I say they get there. I say they get that one more win that they need to get to bowl game. Everything beyond that is gravy. I mean, um, so we'll see. The one downside for Kansas is they're going into the teeth of their schedule. Mm. They've already got the worst team in the Big 12 this season behind them. The only other team that anybody's really expecting to finish toward the bottom of the Big 12 that is on the schedule at this point is Texas Tech. So this is going to be a rough stretch for the Jayhawks. No doubt. No doubt. Um, So meanwhile, on the other end of the spectrum... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Not the game of the big t- the week in the Big Twelve is the Red River Shootout up in Dallas uh, between Oklahoma and Texas. This also almost feels like a, an afterthought to me at this point, uh, which is a little strange. Um, so the loser of this game is going to have three losses by the second weekend in October. So whose chair gets a little bit toastier? Is it Sark? Or is it Brent Venables? And is it too soon to even say that Brent Venables would be on the hot seat? What do you guys say? Go ahead, Kurt. I think it's way too soon to say that Venables would be on the hot seat at this point. Guys, he's a defensive coach. Defensive culture is so hard to install. He's He is leaning as hard as he possibly can on Jeff Levy for that offensive install. And honestly, except for the Dylan Gabriel injury, it's not going terribly. Uh, for them. The offense has been very good. It's just they let Kansas State off to a hot start, and that first quarter doomed them. They let TCU off to a hot start, and that first quarter doomed them again. And so the defensive culture is just so hard to install. I mean, I don't know what... I I don't remember what my expectations were of Oklahoma. This isn't far from it. Maybe 10-2, and so 9-3 and would be a little bit shocking. I would think that Sark's seat would start getting warm if he's if he lost this game simply because Texas fans are kind of delusional, 
honestly, I don't really think that this is any different than what we were all expecting from Texas this year. I think I think seven and five, eight and four would have been considered a good year because Quinn Ewers has had a grand total of zero snaps of college football when this season started. And but he and he's played well. That injury didn't help. But it's it is interesting, like you said, Bryce, just how uninteresting this game is on Saturday. Yeah, no doubt. It's it's an afterthought. Johnny, what do you say? Yeah, I I don't think either coach is going to get fired this year. Now, if uh, Sark has another mediocre year, I think he could very well get fired next year. But uh, but yeah, I don't think Venables is in any trouble. And I do think he's a better head coach than John Blake. <laughs> that was a rough era of OU. <laughs> Uh, oh, what a reference! <laughs> but you're right. You're right. Uh, it's a, uh, it's not a very interesting game, you know. Yeah. Unless maybe you're just a fan of the two teams, but yeah, it's it's not like a high profile game. I, I can't I can't imagine that hordes of OU fans and Texas fans are just making the trip up or down I-35 for this one. Well, I mean, they'll they'll you know the Cotton Bowl will probably still be full, but uh, but not like not like it's been in some of those matchups. Um, and I think I, I completely gr- agree with you, Curtis, about Texas, that to me, this is about what uh, I expected. I, and uh, I think the problem for Texas was almost uh, playing Alabama so close and having everybody sort of drink the burnt orange Kool-Aid. And and now, you know, everybody's like, Texas is back. And no, Texas is Texas. <laughs> right. And the and then they follow that amazing performance against Alabama with a wet fart of a first half against UTSA. <laughs> the oh, wow. most the most Texas is back moment ever. You lose to arguably the preseason favorite to win the national championship or maybe not even arguable. Um, and then you come out and you in the first half against UTSA and it, you're tied at the half against a team from 80 minutes down the road that you should be beating the doors off of because I mean, you're the University of Texas. They're a conference USA school. If we That's have all- a if we have a clip show at the end of the year, that wet fart is going to be on. <laughs> hey, Bryce, this, this podcast is a little edgier than most of Oh, them. yeah. You, know, you, get, you get quilling on here, and you never know what you're going to get. Uh, so it is, as I mentioned, a bye week for Baylor. And, um, you know, that means it's, so to speak, a bye week for us. Um, I'm sure Curtis has work to do, just like we got work to do, but... Nevertheless, um, John, you are headed to Las Vegas uh, this weekend on Sunday. You will make the Baylor uh, Saturday press conference. That's a little different. Yes. Um, but they have a Thursday game next week, so I get it. Um, and you're going to see Van Morrison. Yeah, let me tell you a little story about that. All right. 2010, he is supposed to play in Fort Worth at Bass Hall. He canceled. And since that uh, time, he has never come anywhere close to Texas. Well, wait, now he played in New Orleans a few times, but this is like a bucket list guy for me. And I'm getting older. <laughs> He's getting way older. And uh, this is probably my last shot to see him. 
And the, uh, the brown-eyed girl is more like a gray-eyed girl at this point. <laughs> right, gray-haired girls. Right, gray-haired yeah. girl. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah. So that's that's a story. And uh, this concert was originally scheduled for February. Uh, they had to postpone it because of COVID. So hopefully he'll be there. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully so. If not, I yeah. guess you and Karen will enjoy a you know a couple days in Vegas. Uh, we'll see our old buddy Jim Barnes. Jim Barnes, at the former, least. former sports editor of the Trib, out in Vegas. Uh, so I am seriously considering going to the Heart of Texas Fair on Saturday night. Midland, which is a, a up and coming country band, I like. Uh, they're playing uh, there. Bryce, I think he I think he's arrived. I don't think he's up and coming anymore. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Uh so Curtis, do you have any big bye week plans? And for each of you, what's just kind of your favorite way to spend an off day, whatever that is? So my big bye week plans are working on house renovations um you two know because i mean we i spend more time with the two of you than i do my own family covering sports it's just the reality of the life we live um i bought a house a few years back the it was a flip house my parents were telling me like look if you buy the house pay the mortgage and live in it will help you fix it up and then we'll split the profits whenever it comes time to sell well i'm newly married um, almost four months without screwing it up yet. <laughs> and uh, we would like to start our next chapter in a house we both pick because she very much did not pick this house. Mm. Um, and so my parents are ready to get their money out of it. I'm ready to move on. Uh, so my dad is officiating a high school football game Saturday afternoon and then driving up here and we'll work uh, Saturday night, all day Sunday. And then like Monday morning, because, you know, I got to pay the bills, but uh, that's my big bi-week plans is getting on a ladder and redo and trying to finish this house so close to being done and able to list it. So, but that would uh, not be your dream. Off. It would not, it would not. My dream day off does not involve ladders whatsoever. <laughs> um, honestly. And I got to do this a little bit before the Oklahoma state game on Saturday and I loved it, but uh, I kind of just like to make dinner. I, I, I became a little bit of a foodie during COVID because I got stuck at home and didn't want to keep driving to restaurants every freaking meal. And so uh, I like to just cook dinner, hang out with my wife and, you know, have a couple drinks and just sit at the table, talk. Um, John can probably relate, but my, you know, my wife's an elementary school teacher. I'm asleep when she leaves for work in the morning. She's asleep when I get home from work at night. And so uh, I just like to spend some time with her and my family. That's haven't seen my haven't seen my brother since July. So I would love uh, if if I wasn't working on this house, I might be making a trip to an airport to go see my brother. He started medical school in July out in New Mexico. Cool. Awesome. Cool. Uh, what's like the go to Curtis Quillen meal that you can cook? <laughs> oh, I'm a steak snob. Okay. I I won't. I I'm one of those guys. I can't pay for a steak because I I feel like I can do it better at home. My parents got me a sous vide for Christmas. Like I take my steak very seriously at home. Nice, nice. I I think uh, John and I may be fishing for an invitation for a for a steak <laughs> dinner uh, by Curtis. Uh, me, medium rare, Curtis. <laughs> oh, it doesn't go above medium rare. 
Oh, great. That's that's, perfect. That, that, that's the end of my spectrum of temperature on those things. <laughs> nice, nice. Johnny, what do you say? Uh, if you had a day off, what do you do? Well, you know, uh, I'm happy I'm going to get to see Van the Man. But if he was playing in Red Rocks, I'd like it even better. You like Red Rocks. Red Rocks is like the ultimate concert place. Outdoors, just stunning scenery. But apparently... Uh, Colorado is too close to Texas for Van the Man to come to. <laughs> so that's why I'm going to Vegas. He stays out there on the West Coast. Huh? <laughs> uh, for, for those who don't know, every time I ask John, because I'm going to one of these stadiums for the first time for any suggestions, it's always, you should get a hike in, including <laughs> when we were going to BYU. And I'm like, John, I'm landing at noon. I've got a live <laughs> shot at five. Like, I can't get a hike in in that time. Well, okay. Curtis, you'll, you'll be glad to know that uh, that come Sunday, since we will not have a Baylor football game story, we will have a John Werner hiking column. Oh, that makes me there so happy. Go. I'm reading that. <laughs> and I'm, I'll expect you to do some of them. <laughs> I'm doing my oh, top 10 like backpacks it. ever. I like and it. I will expect Curtis Quillen to do at least. Oh, my one. gosh. You're stepping up your game there, John. Forcing other Deal. people to do your thing. So how about you, Bryce? Uh, I would say, so you guys know I like to play basketball, but I do that during the week anyway. Uh, I do like to get out and play disc golf. My son got me into disc golf, and then he left me behind. Like When I say he left me behind, not that he got so much better. He just stopped playing, and I kept playing. Uh, I try to get him to come out with me. No, uh, but um, so I do like to get out and play disc golf or, uh, you know, I like to go to concerts and or travel and do things to see family. As Curtis said, that's fun. Uh, or, you know, sometimes it's nice to just sit on the couch and watch football and complain about my fantasy football team, you know, just like we all do. So, yeah, makes for a fun Sunday. Yeah. And I'm not being sarcastic. No, I know. It uh it would make for a better Sunday if your team actually won. I mean, my I'm struggling right now, but that's a hey, whole hey, Curtis, thing. could I uh ask you maybe to come back this year on a podcast and use the whole 30 minutes to explain what defensive blocking below the waist is, <laughs> since you're an official. <laughs> I'm still not I'm- quite clear on that. Yeah, I'm still not quite clear on it either. I gotta, I gotta get my dad to show me his rule book this weekend because I'm so confused. I'd never seen that called before, uh, before this season, and it's it's running rampant over college football. I know they changed the rule, but I don't know what the, I don't remember what the change was necessarily. I just know it's led to a lot more flags and a lot more. Wait, it's going that way. <laughs> right, I'm baffled. Well, John, you know. Uh, before Big 12 Media Days each year, they have a nice, long, boring <laughs> official session. So knock yourself out. Yes, but there are reporters who spend the whole time there trying to get them to talk about horns down. So <laughs> that's always the topic. That's always the topic. Horns we could talk about rule changes. No, let's talk about horns down. <laughs> uh, we'll probably still be talking about horns down even after Texas leaves, man. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're officially off the rails. Uh, Curtis, man, thanks so much for uh, coming on with us and uh, making wet fart noises. And all <laughs> I appreciate you guys having me on. This was a lot yeah. of fun. Awesome. Thank you, thanks, guys. guys. Appreciate you guys. It,